well, welcome to our next episode of Early Intervention on the Fly, EI on the Fly, which is our podcast about all things early intervention. So my name is Dana Childress. I'm an early intervention professional development consultant in Virginia. Um, So I work on our state's training team, and we have certainly had as a priority thinking about teaming and collaboration because it's just a core component of good early intervention practice. Um, So last time on our series, we sort of opened up this series on teaming and collaboration by talking about shared understanding of our team's common purpose, which is always working together to support the family. So I'm going to turn it over to Emily. She's going to introduce herself and let us get us going with our topic for today. Emily? Yeah, hi, I'm Emily Webb. I'm the coordinator of general supervision here in Massachusetts. And today we are going to talk about sharing common tasks and understanding unique roles. We know that the DEC recommended practices remind us how important this topic is to EI providers. And just like each family should be treated as individuals, and we should be recognizing uniqueness, we need to be doing that with our own team members as well to help us share knowledge, um, expertise with one another, and then also to share these things with the families that we serve. All EI providers, you know, ultimately, I think, have the same mission of improving the lives of children and families. And in order to do this, we need to share tasks and we need to really understand how each team member's unique background, perspective, and experience can contribute to the achievement of this goal. Yeah, so we're going to talk about today, a lot of our strategies today, we're going to be thinking about them through both lenses. So how can these strategies be used with families who are equal and important team members? And how can they be used with the other professionals, our colleagues on the team? Um, Because just like you said, Emily, both bring individual uniqueness to the team. We can't make assumptions that we know what any team member brings to the team. So we kind of have to approach that collaboration with some openness to try to learn because the more we know about our team members, the better better we're able to work together, understanding what each other does, what each other needs. And then, like you said, ultimately helping us be able to support the families more successfully. Yeah, I think it, you know, this episode really sort of reminds me of the previous series that we did all around functional assessment and understanding everybody's unique background and perspective and expertise. You know, ultimately, those are the things we're trying to learn through functional assessment. And before you and I, you know, spent those eight episodes really talking about functional assessment from the family perspective. But I think, um, thinking about sharing common tasks and understanding unique roles, it's important to also maybe do some of this functional assessment work with our colleagues and our coworkers and our teammates to really understand um, who they are as individuals and professionals. Yeah, that's such a great point. So so our listeners will hear some similarities between some of the strategies and the things we talk about from our functional assessment series to our teaming and collaboration series because they definitely overlap in just good practices with early intervention, but we're going to look at them sort of through a different lens. So we wanted to spend time... Um, thinking about some strategies that you can use to support good teaming and collaboration practices and and think about what can you do to help make sure the team members do have that shared and understanding. So I think a first strategy or a first way to think about it is building trust and rapport among team members. And, And that's sometimes we can almost be so busy, we 
hardly take time to do that. We've just got to meet at the assessment and go for it, go in and work together. And maybe it's a team member we haven't worked with too much, too, um, too often. But I think we have to figure out ways to find time to get to know each other, to kind of understand what those team members bring to the activity and how how we can um, that show that we value that and collaborate together. And, you know, building trust takes time and some really intentional interactions. Um, I've worked on teams before where it took some time to build trust and to really understand what each other did. And without that, it was hard for team members to recommend services that might involve other disciplines or other team members because there wasn't that shared understanding. So team members maybe didn't understand what the developmental specialist brought to the role, because, you know, which I tend to think that role is a little less clear sometimes than when we think about what a physical therapist does or what a speech pathologist does. A developmental specialist or developmental service providers, we call them in Virginia. Um, sometimes we really need to be intentional to help others understand what we do so that we can work together better. Um, and that's especially important when we're working on teams and you see any hesitation. So you guys know you've been on teams before where say you're at the IFSP meeting, or it's time to write outcomes, and you get a sense that the team members have different ideas and sometimes even different ideas than the family member. So you've got to figure out how to handle that in the moment. And you've also, then it's great to kind of check in on that later. So I'll give you an example. I remember years ago working with um, a team, a small team, we were evaluating a child who, and this will sound pretty typical, I think you guys in early intervention have probably been through this, where we had met a family, the family's priority was for the child to be able to talk, two-year-old. Um, and then when we did the assessment, we found out there were really some underlying sensory processing um, issues for this little one that were making sort of regulation hard, um, making communication hard, so behavior was challenging. Um, so when we get to the outcomes, we talk to the family, kind of revisit, here's the assessment summary, revisit the family's priorities, and the family still says, we're really interested in helping with her communication. Well, I remember working with an occupational therapist once who was almost like bouncing on her, well, we're all sitting down, I guess bouncing on her legs, almost like really trying to hold it in because she was really worried that we were not going to be addressing sensory processing in the outcomes because we were writing outcomes based on the family's priority. What actually happened was we discussed the sensory processing, how it related to the communication and behavior. The family said, we really want to focus on communication and the team decided to start there. The sensory processing piece really was something that the team members had to trust the service coordinator with to convey to the neck, the person who would be treating the family, really working with and supporting the family. And, and as the family maybe had more information about sensory processing or learned some strategies later on, that would be woven into the intervention that was, you know, where we're supporting the child's communication, we're helping with sensory regulation, all that stuff that can happen later. But it, we really needed to make sure all team members understood where we needed to start, which was where the family was ready to start. But we had to trust each other that the other issues could be addressed later on as we got to know the family. So we had to have that discussion with the family in the moment. But then we had to touch base with our team members after the assessment chat with the occupational therapist, chat among each other to make sure we, we built that trust and rapport and that understanding that we had this common task to support the family. 
We understood the unique roles and expertise everybody brought, and then we would plan for how to make sure that no that no nothing was missed as the child's intervention and the family support happened. So that was sort of a, you know, problem solving and team support in the moment and then reflecting later on with our team colleagues so that we could plan later. So I think reflection is an important piece in this. What do you think, Emily? Yeah, I think I think it's huge. You know, I recently have had an experience and I know I've talked about this before on the podcast, but um, here in Massachusetts, early intervention works very closely with the Department of Children and Families. We often um, overlap and are both in a family's life. And um, we've had to do, you know, a lot of work to really understand from a professional level, what is the role of Department of Children and Families and what is the role of early intervention, whose responsibility is what, and then also make sure that the family understands that because we are both playing um, a unique role and have different responsibilities. And so I have been recently working kind of on a um, state level with somebody in the Department of Children and Families just to to like reflect and talk about what's working, what's not working, you know, what um, what is EI doing well? What could AI be doing different? What is DCF doing well? What could we be doing different? How could we better serve the families together? Um, and it, it's been really exciting um, to kind of have these conversations at the state level and then start to think about how can that information trickle down to the different um, local EIs and local um, DCF offices. And I think that this is just so this idea of um, collaborating and really having um sharing common tasks and understanding people's unique roles is is important you know ei is amazing and it's great and it's an awesome service but we can't be all things to all families and so if we you know really think about our community collaborators and all of the different people in children and families lives and um share common tasks and understand their unique roles, you know, um, families are going to get better services. You think about how many different daycare providers that EI works with or, you know, working with the Department of Transitional Assistance or, you know, working for finding resources for families. You know, it's it's really important when we're thinking about all these different people, daycare providers, um grandparents, you know, Department of Transitional Assistance, even different, you know, specialty service providers, all of the different people that are serving a role in the kids and families lives that we're servicing it, kids are going and families are going to get better services when we really understand what everybody's um, unique roles and figure out how we can share common tasks. Yeah, I think that's such a great point. <clears throat> what we're talking about really goes beyond even just the IFSP team or the EI team to think about all those other links in the community and how can we collaborate and work together. I think that figuring that out is a really intentional process. Sometimes we sort of stumble on a resource and think, oh, we need to link up with that person. But other times, like you did with your other state colleague, where you said, let's work together. Let's figure out what we're doing well. Where do we need to improve? To me, that seems like a really intentional process. And I love the idea of 
early interventionists reaching out to people, you know, whether they're, you know, in their program, maybe other team members in contractor agencies, or even just other community collaborators, so that we can work together. Sometimes, though, I think, you find out others that you want to collaborate with and that you need to build some of that shared understanding a little spontaneously. And I'm thinking about, um, I love the idea of shared time to process the work we're doing with families together. So let's, so let's think about, say you have a staff meeting or a certain times of the month where the team gets together and maybe it's teaming meetings and can process the work you're doing with families together to do some shared problem solving, um, maybe to share successes too. And sometimes when that happens, somebody can pop up in your teaming that maybe you haven't worked with before, or maybe they have a new idea to share. And so it's sort of a golden opportunity to figure out how to work together, because maybe they have something to offer that you hadn't even thought of before. So taking the opportunity to get to know team members intentionally, and also seizing those spontaneous opportunities that happen, sometimes they offer opportunities for you to learn as a professional, but also opportunities for you to gain a skill or gain a strategy that you can use to support the family. Um, which who knows then could lead to joint visits where maybe you could go out on a visit together to provide support to each other. So I think um, one of the nice things about teaming is it sort of um, promotes that idea of the team having that common task. We all are supporting each other and valuing each other's unique roles, coming together to support each other around their, their ultimate goal, like you said in the beginning, Emily, to improve the lives of children and families. So it's kind of cool when you're, so, when you're open to those opportunities to collaborate, they pop up. And then sometimes, you know, you learn from that other person, you can get their feedback, and that ultimately supports the families. So I think there's lots of different ways to teaming and collaborate. We've just got to be open to and intentional about them. There's also, you know, a cultural component when we're thinking about this idea of how do we share common tasks and understand unique roles. You know, um, early intervention is like its own culture in and of itself. Sometimes I feel like we have our own like language. Um, and then, you know, in individual early intervention teams, and I don't think I really realized this until I went from one EI program to another, but, um, EI teams that work together all the time have culture. They, they really do. And I think sometimes you really see it when, new people come onto the team and maybe it's somebody that, you know, came from a completely different setting, came from a hospital setting or a school setting, or even somebody that came from a different EI. And we sometimes get frustrated because they maybe think about things differently or don't do things the way that we do. Um, but, you know, ultimately, I think that that is just, that is a product of them coming from a different work culture. And we need to think about that and listen to that and sort of save space for that to understand like, it's not that they have less knowledge or are doing things wrong. It's just that they're getting used to that culture. They're coming into a different culture and they're coming with things um, from their past work culture that, um, you know, m might be really, really good things. I think also, you know, we talk a lot about this with families, but um, each of us as individuals have our own different culture and we bring that with us wherever we go. You know, I, I bring my culture to the grocery store. I bring my culture when I bring my kids to the park. I definitely bring my culture, you know, um, 
to work. And, and that's, that's an important thing to think about. You know, I, I'm kind of outspoken and I speak, you know, sort of to the point that's, that's part of who I am. That's part of my family culture. And of course, I'm going to bring that when I join um, on a team. And it's important to kind of recognize those things in your colleagues that you're working with every day. Yeah, I love what you said about, to me, what I heard is not placing judgment on what others are doing, but instead trying to understand. So the whole thing that you said about what, you know, being new to the early intervention culture, maybe not 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 necessarily not having the skills, but doing things in a different way. I think we could say the same thing about the families that come to us. You're absolutely right that the families bring their own culture. And sometimes there are components of those family cultures that are different than the earlier, the practitioner's culture. And that can feel like a conflict sometimes as we're trying to figure out how to work together as a team. I can think of a family that I worked with um, where they were from a different culture than my own. And in their culture, as I got to know them, what I learned was family roles were the father worked outside the home. The mother worked quite hard inside the home. She was raising the children, um, took care of the house and the, the cooking and that kind of thing. But so so those were very specific roles that the families had. Um, within those roles, I also learned that it was not part of the a recognized part of the family's role to play with the children. Now they were playful with them, like during routines, you know, kind of getting the toddler to eat, that kind of things. But playing was really the job of the children. So for me as the practitioner to try to figure out how to help the child learn, you know, our go-to is within the context of play. I really had to think hard about how this family cultures worked, what were the roles in the family. It was not my job to try to change those roles, but instead to value them as they were and figure out, well, how else can I provide support to the family that might be different than what I expected going in? And that was completely okay. And in fact, it really challenged me to reach out to my other team members who else could help me think about what I did differently um, because I had to so that we could um, we could really work together we still had our common tasks we still were working on the child's development but I had to think about that work differently respecting the cultural components that were unique to the family so I think thinking about teaming and collaboration it's so easy to lean towards thinking about our other professional colleagues but this is a good segue into really thinking about the importance of um, including the family as an equal team member, and then how do we do the what we've been talking about, but really focusing on family engagement? Yeah, I think family engagement is vital, 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 vital to the success of early intervention. Um, we as EI providers are with children, you know, maybe one, maybe two, maybe three hours a week. But, you know, as Robin McWilliams always reminds us, it's what happens between visits that are most important. And so if we really want to think about um, how, how do we share common tasks and understand unique roles, you know, some of the things that we really need to do is think about family engagement, you know, thinking about, have we really had conversations with families so that they understand what their role on the team is. You know, we know that um, 
children learn best when they're interacting with familiar people and familiar places. And um, the best way for kids to get the practice that they need is to build it into routines. And so thinking about, do families know that? Do they understand that? Do they understand um, that they they have a very important role on this team? Um, how have we described EI to the family? They, do they, are they accepting EI services, really understanding um, what their role needs to be in order for the success of um, early intervention? And, you know, have we given them information about what to expect d- during home visits and um, what what home visits are going to look like and what our expectation of them as parents are in the early intervention process? Yeah, such a good point. We want I mean, I think for families to understand the culture of EI and how the team works, we have to acknowledge it's going to take time to learn where you fit in and what your what your role, meaning your meaning that family member's role is. But having all this good information, having explained and probably re-explained multiple times until it sort of sinks in and the family feels like a comfortable and active participant, you know, it's going to take some time. Um, I think something you said, Emily, really made me think a lot of the things you just described that we would need to to share with families, we need to make sure we share with other team members, especially folks when they're new to early intervention. So we want to make sure the others on the team, they also understand what their roles are. What's the family's role on the team? How do we describe EI? What a home visit should look like? We also want to make sure all team members really understand and are able to value what the family brings to the team. We want to make sure everyone understands, like you said, Emily, kind of what are those natural learning environment practices? What are routines-based intervention look like? And then I think when we have any of those interactions that feel a little hesitant or those points and they are inevitable when team members are going to think about something differently. I think if we think about sharing common tasks, a good place for us to go back to is to revisit the IFSP. The IFSP for each child should ground the team in our shared goals. So we have the outcomes on the IFSP. Those outcomes belong to the family, but they are addressed by all team members. So we're going to work together. So if a point comes where we need to make an adjustment to the IFSP, Maybe we're going to celebrate and goals have been met and we've got to write new ones or there's questions about how to address the goals. That's when the IFSP team needs to come together, re-examine our common tasks, our common goals, and kind of look at the roles and try to figure out what needs to change or what we need to do differently next time. So we can use the IFSP to sort of ground, um, ground us in what to do as we move forward. All of this being an intentional process of supporting that teaming and collaboration. So I think we've tried to give you some strategies today to really kind of reflect on and think about roles and responsibilities in early intervention, how to how to work together. Um, sometimes those roles and responsibilities are clearly defined. When they are, it's really important that we um, really even look beyond those, especially for our own positions, so that we can um, take what we think we know and dig a little deeper so we can learn to understand, respect, and value the unique contributions of one another. I think we also need to recognize that the overall success of the team is a function of that shared responsibility and ownership toward our ultimate goal, which is really um, building, you know, supporting the best quality of life for that family. We hope you'll join us next time. We're planning to continue the discussion, dig into another component of teaming and collaboration, and we'll invite um, a guest with us to kind of join our discussion to help us dig a little deeper. So thanks for joining us today. We'll see you again soon. Bye. Bye.